Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, a recent news article states that with more than 11 million job openings and only 6 million unemployed workers, employers have struggled for more than a year to hire enough people to fill their ranks. And although employers across the, the landscape of the job market are struggling, uh, we're seeing that in it's particularly pronounced in retail. There's 70% of the jobs opening are, are remaining unfilled. Manufacturing, say, 55% are unfilled. And leisure and hospitality, 45% of those are unfilled. So businesses today are experiencing what Jesus talks about in the New Testament. You will uh, remember part of what I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read it out of a parallel account, some of the passages that we've been examining. It's a parallel account, so I want you to stay with me. In Mark chapter 6, I want you to turn to verse 32. We're going to start there, and we're going to read down through verse 34. I'm going to stop and make a couple comments, and then we will continue. So just listen real carefully. So they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves, but when many people saw them leave and recognized them, they hurried on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And when he got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. You'll remember that I read to you in uh, week one of this series out of Matthew chapter 10, where he's, uh, he, cont- he makes that same, that same thing happens. It's a parallel account. He says, listen, I feel this compassion towards them because they look like sheep without a shepherd. And then he goes on and he makes this statement. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He is literally addressing a labor shortage. There's not enough workers. He's declaring that help is needed. There are a couple interesting facts or things about this passage um, that I'm reading to you today that have captured my attention. The first one is this. Um, It says that they went to a deserted place. Um, Then the the parallel passage that I read you in week one in Matthew chapter 14 says it is a desolate place. So I begin to think, well, what what does that mean? What does a deserted place, a desolate place mean? And I looked it up. The word there used means barren. It's a barren place. And, and so I was like, well, I think I know what barren means, but let me, let me look that up. And I, I discovered that it means it lacks life. It's just, it lacks the ability to sustain life. There are no resources. And so I just want to stop one more time this morning before we wrap this series up and get you to look around a little bit at our present condition in our nation. In our nation, I would declare to you that all the promise with, for, for all the promises of the nation we live in, for all the technological advances that you and I enjoy, um, for, for all of the material items that we seem to possess, can I just tell you that even in light of all that, we live smack dab in the middle of a desolate desert place, barren, because what I have discovered is this. You can buy everything the media tells you that you need to buy to be happy. You can have digits after your checking account that some of us are, are, have never seen. You can have all the latest and greatest. Your phone can drive your car. 
Yeah, you, you can program your dog. I don't know. Uh, you can vacuum without ever getting off your couch. And the truth is, is that we still find ourselves when we examine our surroundings that it's empty and it's barren because none of those things provide sustaining life. No resources for our life. And so I look out over our land and what I discover is that much like the condition of the people in that day, we see around us people that are wandering and wounded and have no shepherd and they're turning here and there, looking here and there for answers and they cannot find the source of life. The second thing I notice is that Jesus models for us what we should do when, when we encounter people all around us that are in that condition. So let's continue reading because I want you to see what Jesus does. In Mark chapter 6, verse 35, it says this. When it was quite late, the disciples came to him and said, there is a, uh, this is a deserted place and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to neighboring farms and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They asked him, should we go and buy 200 denarii of of bread and give it to them to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. And they found out and told him, we have five loaves and two fish. Then he ordered them to have all the people sit down in groups on on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. By the way, I can't prove this, but it sounds like he already did a miracle because it says it was a deserted place. And I don't know if you've been to Israel or not, but there ain't no grass in deserted places. All right. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says, have them sit down on the grass. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I just know I couldn't find any grass to sit on when we were in a deserted place. All I could find was rocks. Okay, neither here nor there. I can't prove it, but hey, I know my Jesus, so here we go. Then he ordered them to all have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed them. Then he broke the loaves in pieces and kept giving, and kept giving, and kept giving, and kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. All of them ate and were filled. All of them ate and were filled. Then the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of leftover bread and fish, and there were 5,000 men who had eaten the loaves. Men. Men. How many women and children were there? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. But all I know is this. It says they were all filled. All filled. See, uh, I want you to notice how Jesus, uh, Jesus, before we talk about how Jesus responds, let's talk about how Jesus' disciples responded. Because what I, when, when I read this text again, what it, what it said to me and what cop, captured my attention is, is Jesus' disciples on that day too often sounds like the disciples in this day. Okay, it sounds like too many of us because when, when we're safe and when we've been rescued and when we've been fulfilled and when we've been set free and when we've been delivered and when our life has been changed, too often our response is the same as Jesus' disciples' response on that day when they said, send these folks away. Let them fend for themselves. I got mine. They can get theirs. 
I can't get no help up in here. Y'all, y'all can't expect me to pat you on the back and tell you we're doing it great. I'm just telling you, all I see is I see a parallel here. I see that too many of us have the same attitude. I've done what I needed to do. I went to church. They haven't been to church. I studied my Bible. They haven't studied their Bible. I've tithed. They haven't tithed. So now that I'm fulfilled and my life has been restored and my life has been revitalized and changed, they are, I, I'm just going to stand over here on the side and say, let them sin for themselves. Let them figure it out on their own. Let them do the hard work that I had to do. But I want you to notice what Jesus says. He, uh, he puts it back on the disciples and he says this, you give them something to eat. Okay, we're talking about Jesus, right? I'm talking about the same Jesus that I talked about last week that could take ordinary wash water. I'm washing your feet with this water and he can change it to the sweetest tasting wine. Don't you think that Jesus could have just looked around and turned rocks into bread and commanded fish to jump out of whatever stream may have been nearby? Don't you think he could have provided for these people all by himself? But instead, he turns it back on the disciples and says, hey dudes, you feed them. Okay, so, 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 so the, the disciples go out and they look and what they discover is they can't do it. They got five loaves and two fish and 5,000 men. And so the disciples come back and they give Jesus the, the little bit of help that they can, understanding and admitting that there is no way possible for them to answer the need that has been presented. I can't get no help up in here, but let me just tell you how I am this morning. I have discovered that on my own, I don't have any answers for this generation. I have discovered that on all by my little self, I don't have the solutions for what's going on in the world around us. All by myself, I don't have a hope of helping anyone. Anybody else come to that conclusion in your life? Has anybody else come to the conclusion that all by yourself, with all of your goodness, with all of your talents, with all of your ability, with all of your finances, that when, it, when the end of the day comes along, you don't have the necessary resources to answer the question. And so when the disciples respond by describing their lack, admitting their shortcomings, I want to help, but this is all I can do. I want you to notice how Jesus responds because this is how he responds to our little efforts to help. Because everything we're trying to do, all the good stuff you're trying to do, is just, it's just a drop in the bucket. It's not enough. But Jesus sees our, our willingness to step in and provide what we can. And so in that moment, Jesus steps in and produces a miracle. Right, so, so he takes their meager, meager offerings and he turns it into a banquet. He takes a happy meal and he turns it into a, a, a buffet that the likes of which we've never seen again. Right? That's what Jesus does. Jesus, but I want you to notice what he does now. Jesus produces the miracle and then he places the miracle back in the hands of the disciples to distribute. Okay, you missed it. We are, hear me this morning, we are his distribution system 
for the supernatural. If the world around us is ever going to experience, encounter the supernatural power of God, it will come through the distribution system of his people. He produces the miracle, but he puts it back in our hands to distribute the miracle. So, so we are the distribution system. He provides the answer, and he expects the disciples to get the answer to the people in need. Listen to me very carefully. I'm going to make a statement that is going to probably offend somebody in the room because you're going to think I'm limiting God. I, but hang on. Let me explain. Let me make the statement, then get mad, then let me see if I can get you out of your mad state. Because I think this is a true statement. God's arms are only as short as our reach. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. It flew right back at me. God's arms are only as short as our reach. What are you saying, Steve? Are you saying that God has limitations, that God has the, has the inability to, to do things? Are you saying that God can't do it all by himself? I've heard you preach that God can do stuff all by himself, and now all of a sudden you're saying that God can't do what he can do. He's limited in his power. I'm saying God can do it all by himself, but I'm also declaring to you today that God chooses it seems to me that God chooses more times than not not to do it without our help. So if he's choosing not to do it without our help, then he is only limited by our reach. Okay, okay, okay. I want you to notice what happens. The text says that Jesus continues to give to the disciples as long as they were willing to give it away, and he kept giving it to them until everyone had eaten and everyone had been filled. He just keeps giving it to them, keeps giving it to them, keeps giving it to them. I, I want you to notice this. I started thinking about this. Jesus models for us how we are to serve. Think about it. When Jesus receives these five loaves and two fish, I, I went back and I read, and I haven't read anywhere in the account where it says Jesus has already had his lunch. I couldn't even think, I couldn't find anywhere that it said, hey, on the side, while the people were stirring about listening to Jesus, that the disciples had like Kit Kat bars in their little backpacks and they had their little snack, fruit snacks. They had fruit snacks. No, I can't. So, so I want you to notice what, what, what I'm saying. Jesus could have taken the five fish and, or five loaves and two fish and he could have eaten them himself. Or he could have said, you know what? I got three favorite disciples of all the 12 and I can see they're kind of getting weak. They got like a little bit of sugar deficiency today and I need to feed them real quick while everybody else is starving to death. He could have done that. He could have said, you know what? There are important people in this crowd. There are wealthy people in this crowd. And so I'm gonna take what they've given me and instead of helping everybody, I'm just gonna help them. But instead, he feeds them all and he provides extra to make sure they're all filled. I just came to remind you that when you have encountered Jesus, when you have been rescued, when you have tasted the goodness and the great grace of God. Anybody in the room want to testify by raising their hand and say, that's me, I have tasted of his goodness, about eight of you. I have tasted of the goodness of God, about nine of you now. We may need to do another altar call because we've got some folks that apparently haven't tasted the goodness of God. Come on, help me out. How many of you have encountered the goodness of God in your life? 
okay, okay, okay. So, so I think you're scared to raise your hand because you think, you think you know where I'm going. If we have tasted the goodness and the greatness of God, then we must come to this conclusion that we have been blessed beyond measure. We must conclude that we have, here it is, we have been given more than enough. When Jesus saved me, he didn't just barely save me. When Jesus rescued me, he didn't just barely rescue me. Like he's blessed me. When Jesus blessed me, he didn't just barely bless me. He blessed me beyond measure. He gave me more than enough, right? So he will, so, 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 so we have been given more than enough. Said another way then, I must say it like this. There are plenty of supplies to go around if we're willing to serve others. See, he will multiply resources if he can simply find people who are willing to distribute those resources and give away the extra that he gave them. Can't get no help. All right, so, 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 so I believe as long as we will continue to give it to others, can I, can I promise you out of the text that we've read that as long as we're willing to give it away, God will continue to give it to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore, we must not withhold the more than enough for just a few. We're not supposed to hoard the blessings, the life-giving grace of God for just a few. If you're the same color I am, then I will let you in on the grace. But if you're not, I won't. If you're the same uh, socioeconomic status as I am, live in the same neighborhood, drive the same car, work the same kind of job, paying the same amount of money, then you fit the qualifications, then maybe I will just distribute to you, the, I will give you room at the table, I will give you grace. No, Jesus models for us that our task is to distribute the great abundance of grace until everybody has been served. Everybody. I, do I need to break it down in Greek? Everybody means everybody. Tell everybody, those that look like me and those that don't look like me. Those that make the amount of money I make, those that don't. Those that drive the kind of car I drive, those that don't drive the car I drive. Those that live in my neighborhoods and those that don't. Those that, those that feel, I, I like their music and those I don't like their music. I am tasked with simply distributing the great grace of God until everybody's been served. I remind you that this is the only time Jesus fed others, uh, fed those around him on the night before he was arrested, and he's uh, beginning his journey towards death. Uh, he eats a meal with his disciples, and once again, Jesus distributes food. The Bible says that he took bread, and he broke it and blessed it, and he takes a cup, and he blesses it, and he distributes. He serves. He models for us how to serve, because may I remind you this morning that on that night when they ate together, there was this dude sitting at the table that Jesus knew was going to be the one who betrayed him. And yet Jesus still served him. Uh, you're missing it. I, I, I need you to know that he still served a dude sitting at the table. I, I doubt this is true, but let me just be, let Jesus be like me for just one moment. He probably didn't like this guy very much. I, I can't prove Jesus didn't like everybody, but I wouldn't have liked him. 
because he's going to stab me in the back. He's going to betray me. He's going to do me in. And yet Jesus serves him. How many have I? Okay. Didn't withhold from someone that he knew would hurt him. He didn't withhold from someone he knew he couldn't trust. Jesus simply served them all. He consistently models selflessly and sacrificially serving others. And the really good news is this. He allows us to come to the table and become resourced so that we can in turn feed those around us. We are his distribution system. So if people are out there, and they are, that have not encountered the goodness and the grace of God, it's not God's fault. He's he's sent the invitation. He's provided the invitation. It is simply that those of us at the table are willing to leave our spot and our privileged position and go and get... Okay, okay. So what Jesus does is he makes it possible through the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body for us to have access to the Father. In other words, to to have access to resources. In other words, to be, here it is, full filled. You sit here this morning, if you've encountered Jesus, full filled because of what Jesus did for you. So what we're going to do this morning, and I know we do this... uh, for this very reason, Jesus said, when, said to his disciples as he's serving them, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So I know that when we take communion, what we do is we take communion to remember what Jesus has done for us, right? Isn't that why we take communion? We take communion to remember what Jesus has done for us. Am I correct? Am I, all right, so, so I recognize that when we take communion, we take communion for the purpose of remembering what Jesus has done for us. But this morning, the ushers are getting ready to bring you communion supplies, the elements. And what I want us to do this morning, I want you to hear me very carefully. I want us to to take communion and reflect not only on how he served us and contemplate what Jesus did for us. I want us to receive communion to be reminded that as his disciples, as his disciples, we have a commission on our life to follow his example. And since we've been served, we should in turn Serve others. Let me say it like this. Are you paying? Stay with me. They're, they're passing out the communion elements. Listen to me. Saved people. Serve people. I'm going to say it one more time. Saved people. Serve people. And until we recognize the fact that just because we're at the table doesn't... That is not the end of the story. Until we recognize that we have been invited to the table so that we can in turn go out and get other people, then we've missed the entire point. And so this morning, do I want you to think about what Jesus has done? Absolutely. But I also want you to stop and think for just a moment about the fact that because he's done this, 
you now have an obligation to serve others. I'm just waiting, waiting for everybody to get one. Hang on just a second. You're almost there. looks like to me at least as far as I can tell that everybody has one of these everybody got one so has has everyone been served has everyone been served everyone been served? Everybody. I just want to Has everybody been served? Has everybody been served? Has everybody been served? Has everybody been served?
I don't know if you heard what he just said, but at current rates of evangelism, it would take 257 years for the 1.5 million people in Oklahoma that don't go to church or are unattached to a church in any way to be evangelized. The truth is this morning is that we come in here and we enjoy services together and we are reminded on a weekly, every Sunday basis of what Jesus did for us. But the truth is, not everybody has been served. Not everybody's been served. It's apparent there's an abundant supply. There's more than enough of Jesus' love and grace to go around. But those around us haven't been served. We have a seat at the table. We are being served this morning. And we must remember that Jesus needs our help. He needs our help. We are his distribution system to reach those that have not been served. So what I want us to do this morning is we're going to take these elements together and I want us to be, do more than just take the elements. Here's what I really am praying is going to happen this morning is I'm praying that we are going to become the elements. We are going to become His broken body. We're going to become His life poured out to those around us in prisons, in schools, in treatment centers, in loneliness, in drug addiction. All of these things, we are going to be the ones I heard it said, listen to this statement. I heard, I heard a pastor make this statement. He said, if we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell, then we must make it easy for people to go to church. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, that's good. But that puts the pressure on them to come to us. My declaration this morning is this. If we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell, then we got to make it easy for people to come to church. But with this caveat, we do this by becoming the church that goes to them. They don't ever have to darken this door. They don't have to sing one of our songs. They don't have to dress like us, worship like us. But at some point in our day, in our life, in our Existence, we're going to take the good news of Jesus and we're going to serve. Would you take the bread and would you remember this morning as we take the bread, not only what Jesus did for us, but now that he, he's done that for us, he's putting that body, his body back in our hands as his distribution system and we are going to be faithful. We're making a covenant this morning. Why you do communion? It's a covenant where we're, we're we're talking about we're, we're going to enter into covenant that we are going to distribute the goodness and the grace of God until everyone has been served. Would you take the bread this morning? And would you take the cup? And now would you take that and drink it as a reminder that he shed his blood not only for us, but for all the people we come into contact with on a daily basis. He's trying to get his goodness out of us into them. You can take it. Take it. 
Father, I pray this morning that what you would do is that as those that have been rescued and set free, those that have been restored, those that have been pulled out of the fires of hell, those of us that have had our life turned around and changed forever, those of us that enjoy worship together on Sunday mornings, those of us that spend our time all week long rubbing shoulders and elbows with Christians that believe just like us, act just like us, would you remind us this morning that we have a task in front of us, that we have been commissioned, we are in a covenant with you, that we are your distribution system, and we recognize that in our own state, we limit your reach if we're not willing to serve if we're not willing to help. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would commission us and call us and remind us and challenge us that we would keep giving away your goodness and your grace until everyone has been served. Until everyone has been served. May we not become a group of people that become satisfied with being rescued while others are dying and perishing and going to hell. Some of them even experiencing hell in their life right now because their life has been so marred by sin, so marred by destruction that everywhere they go, they look like the people we read about in this account. They're wandering around wounded, hurt. Jesus, I'm praying today that we would hear you say in our spirit, you feed them. May we find a place, may we find a place to serve you and serve others faithfully, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.